0: Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast, a show about people, about process, about technology, about community. It's great conversations with great technologists about things that matter to you, that matter to all of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit gcondemand.io for all of the show notes. And with that, let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the GC On Demand podcast. My name is Eric Wright. You may know me as at DiscoPosti on Twitter. I'm also DiscoPosti here in the Green Circle community. And I'm very pleased to have another uh, excellent uh, community supporter, technologist, and uh, someone who I've been lucky enough to be a co-presenter with at a recent event, I'd like to welcome David Stiles to the show. For those of you that don't know David, uh, David's uh, with Data Gravity. Uh, he has a very storied history in technology and in the community. But, you know, no better person to tell the story themselves than to, to introduce you. David, you want to introduce yourself to folks and let us know how we can find you online and all that good stuff.
1: Sure, Eric. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is David Siles. I'm the uh, Chief Technology Officer uh, for Data Gravity. Um, easily found on Twitter at d_siles. I've been there for a long time, um, and uh, you know, I hate to admit, uh, but I've got decades of experience in the industry. Um, many people um, know me from Data Gravity. Before that, I was at Beam Software, uh, but definitely been in the community for a long time. Um, big sponsor of the VMUG. B Tugs and uh and coming up here, the uh, the V Brisket bus tour. Uh people have been uh, seeing my name associated with that. We're happy to be a sponsor of making that uh, community trip uh, happen from Chicago through all the greatest barbecue cities in the world, uh ending at VMworld this year.
0: That's a that's a really wild event and you know and I love that We've got such unique ways to present community event focus and, 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 you know, you've been, as you said, you know, a, a longtime supporter and, and it's great. So, you know, as a, as a community advocate, I thank you, you know, for continuing to be a strong voice for the community itself, as well as technology and helping to kind of prop everybody up it's 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 great to watch and like I said, the v brisket tour is how how much cooler can you be than that you know to have literal like bus tours of of getting from place to place How did that uh, sort of come uh, about
1: uh, you know it goes back to, uh, to to vmworld a couple of years ago actually uh, uh v brisket is uh, it, it is created and founded and run by uh, four great community members out of out of the Pittsburgh area: um, Clint Wyckoff, who's at Veem; uh, Gabe Mintz, uh Riverpoint Technologies; um, John Bruska with Vertex IT, and then uh, um, um, Jason Bailey, who is uh, now at Rubrik. But uh, uh, when Jason was uh, an individualized user uh, at Data Gravity, was giving away a three D printer. Um, at VMworld 2014, and Jason won that. And uh, you know, Jason's passion is barbecue, so he uh, decided that he would put the uh, the three D printer he won on the market, um, uh, raise some funds, and then buy a, a a smoker to fulfill a promise that him and Clint and Gabe have been joking about for many years that they should have some really good barbecue and talk about virtualization. So V you know, Brisket was kind of born of that. And yeah, uh, you know, I've. Uh, you know, Kind of always been, uh, you know, behind the scenes with it. But um, you know, the team made this decision this year to have a really, really cool exercise of, of uh, uh, you know, bringing virtualization community um, together and having a form of meetups. But you know, of course, that's M E A T ups. And so uh, hitting all the greatest barbecue cities in the world from Chicago, hitting Kansas City, Denver, um, going to get lost in the mountains for a day in Grand Junction, and end up at the opening acts at, um, uh, uh, world, uh, on that Sunday sponsoring a huge community, uh, barbecue lunch. So, uh, it, it's something that's different. Um, it's the first time we're doing it, but I think it's going to be a, a great exercise. And, you know, if you're in Chicago, Kansas city, Denver, um, feel free to take a look at com and, you know, come out and meet up with
0: us in uh, one of the cities. Excellent. Yeah. That's the, it's neat you, you talked about the folks involved and and it's funny now we've all been involved in different things throughout you know the community and and you we always say it's like oh here's this person you know they're now at this company and they're now at this company right. or you know whether it's customer to vendor vendor to customer vendor to vendor but what's really unique about it is that everybody truly transcends where they work to you know, the community itself, and that's that's what's neat because we've all kind of worked together, you know, quite often. And then next thing you know, we find ourselves, you know, shifting around throughout the industry. And and there's never a, there's never a love lost when when folks change to a new, you know, vendor organization, even though maybe out on the sales floor there's there's competition. But I, I really love the, the respect that's that's held to the value of community in technology. And and sort of always keeping that alive. So it's again kudos to to you for for being a strong voice as well and, and making sure we keep people active in a community.
1: Oh, uh, you know, I'm preaching to the choir, Eric. You know, you and um, you know the virtual design master and the community efforts that uh, you've long sponsored as well. You know, it, uh, the the kudos go right back to you, my friend. Thank
0: you. Now let's talk about data gravity. You know, we. I've watched the evolution of data gravity over time, but I wanna kinda of start in the middle. It's like a Quentin Tarantino movie, you know, the, the beginning is, is the is where we are today and then we'll we'll kinda of work our way up to it. Let's talk about, you know, recent announcements that have happened at Data Gravity and and then we can kinda of talk about your history there and, and, and how it's all come together. Sure. Yeah, and I'm like starting in the meat of the sandwich. Um, you yeah. know,
1: as you said, you know people who don't know who Data Gravity is. We are um, uh, one of the four uh, leading experts in providing data awareness inside of your data and your virtualized environments. Um, you know, but today we are a software uh, solution that gets deployed on top of uh, virtualized containers, and we provide um, uh, people with the ability to protect and analyze and get a comprehensive view of their virtualized data. Um, you know, but as as you teed that up quite well, you know, we weren't always uh, a, a software uh software version or software product. Um you know, for anybody that saw the company at VMworld you know, twenty fourteen um or last year, we um we obviously were a a hardware company um at the beginning genesis of our uh, of our start. Um part of that goes back to our heritage, of course. My my co founders Paul Long and John Joseph. Uh, of Equalogic fame, you know, Paula was a co-founder and creator of Equalogic. Yes, Yeah, you know, so people kind of uh, kind of expected us to do hardware, um, you know, but the real secret is, you know, while we're uh, a storage company as we launched, you know, the, the software version uh, that we're now uh, is our sole product and that we are selling into the market space uh, kind of wasn't an afterthought. It was always kind of pre-planned into the product. Uh, but when you're doing something new and you're kind of really creating a new market space, and uh, uh, bringing something like uh, what we're doing to market it's really hard to go partner with the existing storage companies and say hey look I want to do this type of analytics on your storage platform and I I can prove to you that uh, we can do this without any performance issues some may take you and say sure go ahead and try it but the amount of people who would stand and raise their hand saying I don't believe you or I just don't see the value Uh, would have been very small circle so you know we really believe that the only way to prove what we're doing had value to the market space was to first come out and do it in a totally contained ecosystem Uh, but obviously we've quickly proven that and um, you know we're in in the space of now expanding what we did uh, in our own self-contained platform and uh, offering that to uh, many different vendors uh, in the marketplace uh, with their product offering is adding the same exact uh, value-add stack uh, as a software-deployed product now.
0: Yeah, and that's really interesting because it's, you know, it's software-defined born of, of hardware, and that's a natural progression that a lot of folks don't realize kind of has to occur. Like you said, it's there's a go-to-market strategy, but if you simply go with software and you talk about layering on top of everybody else's stuff, you're at the the whim and mercy of, compliance with other APIs and and all sorts of other stuff and trying to map against stuff so the the strategy of presenting an all-in-one encapsulated offering was i believe you know the right way to begin and then of course you, you get latched into this idea like, oh, but I thought you were, uh you know, a storage, physical storage appliance. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that yeah, was now, simply the method of delivery.
1: <laughs> it, it was. And, and if, you know, part of it is Moore's law here at the same time, you know, we started the company in 2012. And uh, when we started doing what we were doing I about, mean, we weren't even sure we were going to be able to pull off what we were going to be able to do uh, in hardware, um, you know, storage arrays at the 2012 circa time frame you know weren't built to be doing a heavy compute workload at the point of storage um flash it obviously was out but it wasn't as prevalent as it is so you know it's uh it's it's a it's a benefit of watching technology adoption life cycle technology innovation curve actually happen over the lifetime of your company because you know it's kind of come full circle with now yeah, in a flash and NVRAM ram being proliferated uh, in, in today's current storage arrays and the horsepower that you can have um, in the hyperconverged and unified compute stacks make it possible for us to actually do it as a is a software layer that uh, provides that uh, 360 view your data without actually having to run at the point of storage anymore but uh, at the start of the company and the funding of the company, yeah, you know, we kind of had to roll the entire solution because you know technology
0: curve was just now starting to come along to catch up to us. Yeah, that's what's interesting because you've you know, you've you've had to fund based on a concept and an idea, and then you know like show them that vision. And you know, let's talk about that vision, David. Like, how much, how early did you know that this was where you needed you were going? from where you started and that's again the we call you know how the sausage is made thing right that's people may look and say that this was a response to stuff in the markets but in fact you've always planned to do this you know from what i can see and this was just simply the the market aligned and the factors lined up to allow you to now hit this this inflection point where you know software is a is the ideal delivery model and that it's now a perfect timing and placement really?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question, Eric. Um, You know, I mean the smart people that that looked at our product and even adopted our product um, um, as we were a hardware version, you know, the natural sales question cycle during the sales cycle would be, this is great, why can't I just do this as software? And we would just kind of smile, but if you looked at our architecture, you know, we always kept the compute aspect of our product physically separate from the storage aspect? We we sold a compute node, we sold a storage node, and if uh, you know, you watch anything in the latest storage industry, you know most of the storage industry runs the X eighty six servers, which you know can easily be extracted into a virtualized world. So you know our initial design, our reference architecture, you know was designed with the ability to make this pivot. Um, and again, the smart technologists that we would meet with, you know they they would all get it. Um, you know, you just gotta play your cards close to the uh, close to the vest sometimes for competitive advantage. Uh but you know, it was a design principle that we made very early on. You know um Paul along our CEO, well she's got a CEO title, she's you know obviously a, a brilliant uh technologist, uh you know, a lot of people refer to her as the godmother of storage. that's true. Right. Um, you know, she she always thinks three steps ahead, you know, it's uh you know, I uh I would never play chess against her. I'd, I'd lose before I start. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I give her a lot of credit because she uh, she had the idea. I mean, even to the forethought. If you looked at the registration of datagravity.com, you know, she bought the domain name in 2008. You know, this is uh, how far in advance uh, Paul thinks she she had the idea for doing uh, data analytics, data awareness at the point of storage back then and knew she had to sit on it for three to four years just even wait technology come along even far enough to even be able to start trying the attempt to do what we ended up doing uh here at Data Gravity.
0: And it's amazing if you think of you know where the industry's going. You know, I I see so much of a shift that now that we can we have to have that depth of view into the content. You know, we've we've tried to do it at the network layer for for years and years but then it's that's only good if it's you know in transit but then there's concerns about overhead there where to where to host the compute layer you know putting it on current asics at the network tier was challenging because we've already got so much happening there and then it was always an idea and then of course you know data at rest and that's a a neat thing so policy is the future of technology in my mind, like no matter all the stuff that we do, it's, you know, software defined, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's ultimately policy-based infrastructure. So David, what, what do organizations need to do to prepare themselves for this, you know, policy-based world? What's the, what are some tips you'd kind of offer to technologists to say, like, think this way when you're looking at your data, your network and and, and other things inside IT? Yeah no yeah, yeah, uh, good good question again Eric um
1: well, you know first of all I mean you if you don't understand your data um you have no chance of protecting it so you know understanding where your data is what's in your data is key to protecting it um you know when we take the view of the world that you know data in flight or data being accessed is obviously a scan point but you know the storage of the world uh has kind of kind of been that last uh last mile holy grail you know, people have always treated their storage as Fort Knox. But if you get inside of Fort Knox, you can rob all the gold. So, That's
0: right. You know,
1: we uh we protect your data from the inside out. We uh we take a very storage-centric view, even though we're not storage anymore, and understand your data where it lives um, at the point of storage, or really, really wherever it lives, it doesn't have to be on storage anymore. It's obviously, it obviously can be in a container, it could be in the cloud. Um, but we take that view of of identifying where your data is at. Um, and then we help you find and protect your most sensitive data. You know we have a pretty uh, advanced uh, uh, data uh, classification and, and rules engine that give you that kind of unparalleled visibility into your data. Um, and we're 100% virtualization aware, which you know the world is coming become almost 100% virtualized. You know there's still a few holdouts of physical uh, islands, but um, you know when you when you look at it in totality. You know, virtualization is a great thing for portability and, and agility but it also puts another barrier into visibility so we uh, we understand the virtualized world um, and we bring back um, a unique perspective. We're not just looking at the data itself. We also understand people, um, the content that they're using and their activities over time and when you bring people, content, and activities together. Um, you can make some well-informed decisions about what's happening. I mean, a good example is, you know, the world of ransomware and malware. Um, I don't wish, you know, ransomware on anybody, but, you know, it's got a pretty unique uh, behavioral pattern. You know, a user clicks on uh, a bad payload, they go off and start encrypting all the documents that they have access to, and before you know it, you know, the, the company is beholden to somebody asking for some Bitcoin to get their data back. Yeah. Um, you know, policy-based uh, protection, as you were just alluding to, you know, is here today. When we have the ability with our product to automatically respond to that anomalous behavior, proactively take a protection point in time, and then because we have the uh, the people and their activities, we're able to identify everything that was uh, affected and, and essentially roll it back. Right. So. it kind of starts bringing together that prophecy of it being self-defending
0: and that's definitely something that as we whatever the the bad actor you know that we want to assign to it it's tricky because it's not always like you said it's it's not always outside coming in you know quite often it's just we we bring it in ourselves we you know, in the physical security world, it's, it's letting someone go, Hey, you know, I forgot my past day. Can you just let me in the door with you? (laughs) You know, this is a USB key that you pick up at an event. And, and next thing you know, you're beholden to, to somebody, like you said, ransomware, while it seems like, Oh, well, that's, that's not going to happen to, to me. It's, it's truthfully, it's happening. And especially if you look at like massive, you know, data encryption, data removal, uh you know that type of thing we think of it as like you're going to launch an executable from the internet and it's going to you know scream out hey everybody you know like I'm doing something naughty over here like that was the old rabbit viruses and and all these little things it's much more covert and by the time you realize it's happened it's long occurred and and that's the 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 scary parts so if you don't have the right engine that's monitoring that and seeing it as a you know anomalous like you said that's that's tricky, you know. Now David, talk about you know where people's understanding and awareness of this is because I know you guys have a very unique offering and how have you found people accepting it and kind of seeing that value is it has it been challenging for people to realize that they are really prone and and finally accepting that this is a, this is the new world.
1: Yeah, you know, it you know, if you ask an end user do you have exposure in your data? Um, you know, the natural answer is, you know, probably, but I don't know. And that's, you know, that's that's the, the the beginning of the problem is people don't know what they have in their data. So, giving giving a 360 degree review and helping people just first be able to put their hands around what they have um, is uh, is the start. You know, and, and data you know grows exponentially year over year, and no one ever throws anything away. See the amount of data that you have, you know, uh, in your problem statement, continues to grow, and so, you know, we we do help customers on a daily basis identify, you know, latent data that hasn't been touched in years that has, you know, the entire company social security directory, uh, uh, you know, numbers in it, or, and, uh, you know, privileged information or healthcare information, and in that. You know, maybe maybe around that somebody doesn't even work at the company anymore, but that data is still out there. So, you know, we help that uh, that visibility piece first, and then, you know, for any regulated markets, you know, the compliance world is kind of caught up to the "I don't know" standard. Um, I don't know is not a defensible answer anymore. So, you know, CFOs, CIOs, CEOs are signing on the dotted line to compliance standards and um, being able to defend that you're compliant is a big component of it, so the compliance people get it now. Um, you know, but the easiest way still to help educate a customer is really just to show them what's in their data. So, I mean, we, we're not shy of data gravity. You know, we do a free assessment. Uh, you know, we'll give anybody the product and let it run against the subset of their data, and we call it a data MRI, just like going to the doctor and physically nice. getting an MRI. You know, figure out what's going wrong inside the body. We help you see what's going on inside your data, and, you know, it's... Uh, it's kind of like performance monitoring, right? Once you know you have a problem with performance, you have to go address it, right? I mean, you guys have done a really great job of, of giving a visual layer to uh, what customers need from the VM Turbo side. You know, we did the same thing from that data data layer. You know, the virtual machine could be red because it's running out of performance issue. It could be red because it's got a data exposure issue inside of it. And, uh, you know, when you start tying that all together, you have a data where ecosystem that um, stands a better chance of, of uh Uh, making sure that um, not only is it kind of self-defending, but, you know, the company is being able to uh, firmly say that they are in compliance or uh, at least they have exposure, visibility to what they need to remediate.
0: Yeah, and I think that's... And customers that. Yeah, that's... You've covered a a neat piece there in that, you know, visibility is important as a, a secondary layer to action, you know, and that's always interesting is that, you know, there's lots of, you know, platforms out there in, in every space, you know, and, uh, you know, network monitoring, data monitoring, and everything, you know, where it's just like, Hey, you know, here's some, let's take a, a view of it. And then you go, okay, great. Now I've got all some information. Now, what do you do? We're like, Oh, we don't do anything, but Hey, you know, we just, we told you you may or may not have a problem, but I like that. If I look at the core of what your, what your team's done is that you've created an, an action engine, you know, to be able to perform, and do these capabilities. And then the visibility is like, all right, so here's what we found. And here it gives you the ability to do like audit points and go and, like you said, it's about being able to be confident that you're compliant. And you know, personally identifiable information is probably a lot more spread out through our environments than than people realize, especially when you think of yeah, file serving networks. It's it's pretty scary how much business goes on inside Excel spreadsheets, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Excel, you know, for all the great BI tools in the world, Excel is still the BI king. And, uh, you know, whether whether you have it in your, your electronic medical record or your database where you're watching it like a hawk, you know, print to PDF and export to CSV, you know, are, are some of the greatest data leak tools in the world. And, you know, users aren't doing malicious, they you know, they're not they're not the wiser, but when they save that copy out to their home drive, they, they just put uh, a lot more um uh, in scope than the auditor thinks, so you know it's uh it definitely is an issue and you know I'm not trying to paint the picture that users are all bad and malicious, some are obviously, but uh you know a, a move or an inadvertent save is just as bad as you know an external threat actor sometimes, so you know constantly watching it is a big part of it you know, we like to uh we like to think of our real time activity monitoring as kind of like full motion video there's there's been solutions in the industry, and I'm not going to say we're the first to do it, but you know that uh, do scan for changes, but you know they're really kind of like time-lapse photography. You have to scan and then then analyze the results, and then scan and analyze the results, and that's great if, uh, but if something happened on Monday, you don't find out about it until Saturday. It, we have it for forensics, so you couldn't stop it. Uh, so you know that real-time activity component of it is really really becoming kind of kind of key. Uh, in today's it to be able to take action in in near real time
0: yeah that's definitely the you know this the idea that we can run stuff in batch it, it just doesn't it just can't exist especially in this particular you know problem that you're solving the idea of running it as a as a batch process and then getting told like hey yeah so you know monday night you know this was the state and then tuesday night looks like something went wrong uh, you know a lot can happen in that 24 hour period and without real time yeah real time is every system needs to be able to move to true like real time if you don't have the ability to have a systems approach to have it be you know real time it's it's dangerous especially when you think of you know the threats and and the style of of you know the solution that you're providing it's 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 super important so yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, it's a defense-in-depth strategy. You know, you got to have uh, you got to have the right tools at every layer of, of your infrastructure, and you know, the software-defined data center, and you know, the the move to the cloud obviously is blending that and being able to uh, tie those all together. You know, is one of the things that we really kind of uh, champion is you know we're we're uh, we're part of an ecosystem, and the dataware ecosystem is. Uh, becoming a, a need not necessarily a want and uh, you know we're we're, we're we're obviously raising that flag but you know we're, we're definitely working with you know the industry and you know vendors who get it to uh, to help make it better for everybody
0: I want to just touch on some of the like uh, the personal side of being a technologist in an industry especially you know that you've you've been around the industry for for a few years you know we've seen Moore's law shortening and we've seen hype cycles rapidly increasing so david how does what was your advice for technologists today to kind of be able to you know recognize what's happening, but also think about what's ahead. Where, where do you think you would give advice for folks to, to look into, you know, just generally in the industry?
1: Yeah. You know, obviously the VC community is always the pulse of what's coming. Right. So if anybody always asks me, well, what's the next hot technology, go look at Crunchbase and see who just got seed funding. Um, or, you know, an early a round, you know, those, those technologies are, are, are coming, um, you know, from uh, from innovators and you know, I'm not saying that large companies don't innovate still, they just don't innovate as fast. Uh if you watch the majority of uh, uh technologies that are becoming you know mainstream today, they came out of a they came out of a startup, they came out of a company that um may be a large company today, but you know, five, six years ago was were small and they were uh they were kind of coming around that curve. So you know, I always kind of watch that base, you know, the, the hype cycle uh, you know, I don't want to just discount the hype cycle, but obviously the analysts there—they track their space. And um, you know, when you're creating a whole new market space, uh, you know, we came out and pushing the data where, you know, um, market—you know, there, there's not even a quadrant or a hype cycle that tracks that. So they try to fit you into uh, you know a category that they already have well defined. That may or may not work for you. So you know, you know, there's the uh, there's the people who are pushing, you know, the message of you know their their own new market space. And there's a few technologies that are coming out in that space. I mean, not necessarily virtualization space, just specifically. But you know, I think if you look at what's happening around nanotechnology you know, and augmented reality, um, you know, in those spaces, I mean, there's going to be a whole new market space that's coming. That uh, again, if you're watching the pulse of what's happening in the funding world, you see that happening right now.
0: Yeah, and I think the the one that I've spotted a lot lately is you know uh, at least a half dozen companies have come out of stealth within the last few weeks. Security is top of mind. You know, it surrounds network data. You know, security and 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 that's like that's kind of the next generation of you know we've we've stabilized in a lot of other areas in the market, and now we are becoming. Not hyper. It's it's not that it's new, but we've suddenly become hyper aware of it. I think, especially because oh, absolutely, I you, mean, you can't pick up a newspaper anymore without
1: uh, being educated that yeah, you know, security can't be an afterthought anymore. Yeah, you know, the, the CISO and an organization's definitely gotten a seat at the boardroom uh, table. They're uh, you know they've become a primary stakeholder. And again, you know, with regulations out there, you know, CFO, CIO, CEO. They're signing their name to documents that uh, say we're are in compliance or we're following the best practices that we have for our industry and um, you know they're, they're they're taking positions on technology that teams have to support and um, you know, so it's it's not uh, it's not through obscurity in the basement anymore for sure.
0: Yeah, that's that's it. You know, it, it's the executive team has is taking responsibility on paper legally for it and i think we as technologists have the responsibility to ourselves to at least be aware of you know what factors are out there and think about that next generation you know yeah It's just important for us to know, you know, it's not that we have to be curled up in the corner, (laughs) worried that, that everything is, is, has been already, you know, exposed. It's, it's just the idea that, you know, be aware, you know, we, we know it's out there and and we know it's out there and there's platforms and, and products that are able to get us to a point of better awareness and, and being able to actionably you know, deal with this stuff. So that, that's interesting. So yeah, this has been great, David, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to hopefully catch up at VM world. I'm assuming that you and, and the team will be there.
1: Uh, yeah, we will. Uh, we, we're, uh, we're obviously part of the community events. I'll uh, be opening acts, you know, feel free to, uh, to, to look me up. It's kind of hard to, kind of hard to miss us with our data gravity shirts on, but uh yeah, same here, Eric. You know, I look forward to seeing you and the uh the VM Turbo team and the rest of the community, um, uh, you know, uh, as we sweated out in Vegas for a change over, over San Francisco for a for a year here.
0: That's right. It's funny. I've, I'm going to San Francisco uh, pr- prior to VMWorld, and it'll be uh, it'll be a reminder of of the temperature differences, you know. But Las Vegas will be good. I think everybody's going to have a great time. Uh, VMWorld is is always a, a fun event, a big community presence, a good technology presence. So for folks that uh, that do want to catch up, of course, you so said you can you can track me down. Uh, you know, just find me. I'm Disco Posse on Twitter, David. Uh, you know, also, you know, great uh a great follow and a great person, you know, as a voice in the community and and just a overall good dude. Uh, you know, proud to say that I've been able to to spend some time with David on a few on a stage as well, which is great because you're a great presenter and 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 you bring a lot to the industry. So David, how do uh, folks get a hold of you and uh and before we go?
1: Yeah, great. Uh again, David Siles at DSiles
0: on Twitter. Uh, if you're
1: uh, interested in data gravity, feel free to follow us at Data Gravity Inc. or hit us up at datagravity.com and uh, take the uh, Data Gravity Pepsi Challenge where we'll let you see what's happening inside your data. Nice. Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Good stuff.
0: Thanks, David. If you like what you heard here and want to hear much more, don't forget to subscribe to the GC On Demand podcast. You can go to gcondemand.io where you'll find the links in order to catch us in iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and more. So go to gcondemand.io. Don't forget to rate us in your podcaster of choice and look for much, much more. Have a show idea? Tweet us at GCondemand. Thanks for listening.